Welcome back to The Brandon White Show, where we have conversations worth listening to give you an edge to win in your business and your life. I'm your host, Brandon White. Here we go. Welcome back to The Edge Podcast, giving you the edge to win in business and in life. Here's your host, Brandon White. You know, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. Hey, did I get your name right? Yep, Shanna Lake Banana. I got it. Well, thanks for joining today. I really appreciate it. For listeners, Shanna was going to come into the studio today, but we had a, I don't know what we'll call it. I don't know, probably get censored for saying COVID, but we had a potential COVID exposure. So far, so good. But thanks a lot. And I'm glad that we were able to do it. You're actually probably about five blocks away. Yep. No, it's, I appreciate your honesty and I'm happy to be flexible. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I was excited. You and I've been talking, uh, you read about the show in an article, which I was really grateful for that was on Coastal Magazine, in Coastal Magazine, I think in June. And as I read and watched a bunch of your videos, the one thing in, I think we, I don't know how many shows we've had now, 370 shows, we've actually never really talked about is being a parent and running a business. And you have a story, which I'd like you to share with the listeners as we get started on how you you transition. But it's actually, well, it's mentioned sometimes, Shanna, when people talk about it, but it's never really dealt with. And I think you have some tools that, that listeners who are parents who may, in your words, say, oh, no, might say, turn that into a better day. I don't know. You're going to be more eloquent than I am. But could you share your story on on what happened to you over the pandemic and and how you wound up where you are today? Sure. So I I always viewed my path as super linear. I would go to school. I would get the job. I would start advancing. I would get married. I would have the kids. And that's exactly what I did. Everything just fell exactly in order for me. But when I had my kids, I started to notice things were changing inside of me. And the pandemic basically spotlighted this thought that I was having that I was responsible for everything. Because what they don't tell you, you know, this was an idea that my parents gave me. It was a great idea. There's a lot of security in just following this very direct path. But what they don't tell you is that while the path is direct, when you are the maternal figure, when you bear the weight of the family, the household, I mean, those are two full-time jobs just in themselves, how much harder it becomes for you when you're on that path and you're working full-time or just, you know, have other things that are going on in your life. So when the pandemic hit, my daughter was born April, 2020. I had her with me at home and my husband, he was working full time and I had a two-year-old at home with us. So you can imagine being in that mindset of, well, everything falls on me. It's my responsibility. I took on a lot and it became unmanageable. And I totally broke during that time. I couldn't sustain anymore. I sat my husband down in, in my kitchen and said, I can't do it. I'm falling apart. And he stopped me and said, why is this all on your shoulders? Aren't we a team? Aren't we in this together? And I started to realize, oh my God, you're right. How have I not factored any of that else in 
to how I've been living in this world. Why has it all been my responsibility? And with my first son, we were able to, to live that way. I was able to sustain taking on that responsibility, but it took a pandemic to really shine that spotlight of the weight and how little I could bear moving forward. So basically when I hit that breaking point, I decided it was time to pivot. It was time to make a change for myself. And there were two areas where I decided to pivot. One was with my husband. And that was, I had to change my perspective on my family life and my marriage. And it was time for me to start showing him some collaboration and support, which is what I wanted for me. But when he would go load the dishwasher, I couldn't go behind him and reload it. You know, oftentimes we have this narrative of, oh, our partners don't do anything right. Or, oh, they just don't do it my way. He was doing so much and I couldn't even see it. So it was really learning to accept his way, which is very much a right way. My way is not a right way. There's many ways to do one thing. So accepting that and then also changing my career path because I wasn't happy in my corporate life. I was always pivoting to try to make it work, but ultimately I felt I wasn't being fulfilled. So I took that time. It was the kick in the butt that I needed. And I pursued life coaching school, which is what I wanted to do for a very long time. And I started my own practice. So in the midst of a pandemic with no childcare, no family support, they're all in Maryland while we're here all by ourselves. We, I just up and left my career and launched my own company. Well, that's a little crazy. I got a, I do have a question. I didn't, are you from Maryland? I am. Oh, where in Maryland? Baltimore. Look, I got my little Orioles cap. <laughs> oh, maybe I, did I meet you and your husband one day? I, you, you know, I'm from Baltimore. I'm, I'm from Maryland. Um, I, went, I have no idea. Yeah, I went to uh, Boys Latin High School. Oh, I went my, to high school. My mom was a dean of students at Maryvale, and I grew up out in out towards Harford County. Oh my god! Not. So Small I grew world. Up- Pikesville, and my husband and I met working at Under Armour. We had moved to Baltimore City, so it's a small world. Well, uh, yeah, that's a super small world. Actually, Kip, one of the co-founders, yeah, yeah, we know him, and his uncle is from the Eastern Shore. I think he has a home on the Eastern Shore. We still have a home in Easton, Maryland, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh, yeah. A small world. Forget the uh, the Orioles. Uh, I've turned to the Giants. I know people (laughs) who are listening won't like that, but it's been such a long road with the Orioles. And I remember going to Memorial Stadium and I, I used to mow those guys' yards, Scott McGregor and all those people, Eddie Murray's yard. Eddie Murray used to live right off of Old York Road. And yeah, but they've just been so bad for so long. I know, but that's what, that's the beauty in them. <laughs> it, I guess so. I mean, Camden Yards is cool, but I think the giant stadium is like a miniature Camden Yards. It's so but, cool. But here's a question. So I, I actually went to Washington College on the Eastern Shore for my undergraduate and my first master's. And then I went to a bigger school, thank God, UNC Chapel Hill. But the when I first met my wife, who is from California, she's from Southern California, you said something. You said, my parents gave me this story. And I'm wondering if it was really your parents, because growing up on the East Coast, and I say this as lovingly as possible, is it really is one of the 13 colonies and the, the, the structure there is very different or the belief system. So it is pretty much that framework. And I don't know that it's your parents. I guess it's really society that says, Hey, look, 
especially, and, and anybody, my friends who are listening in Baltimore, say this with the most loving way is it's, you're going to get, you're going to get married to somebody you went to high school with likely, most likely you're going to then have kids. They're going to go to the school you went to and you're going to live somewhere in Baltimore. And it's just, a, it's, and I don't know that that's unique to Baltimore. I think that may be everywhere. But when I first met my wife on our first date, we were at having 20s cheesesteaks in Galena, Maryland, of all places. And she said, she's like, look, I just want to be upfront with you that I like you, but if you want to have kids, I'm not down with that. Like, let's have lunch and move on. And as an East Coast kid, I was like, what does, what, what sort of comment is this? What even woman says this? Like, what is this? That was really the attraction because it was something out of the, I don't know, we call it a framework. What do we, what do we call that? It's, it's just a belief system, right? It's what like it's you're living in that bubble. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So you think it was your parent? That, that was a long winded way around to say, do you think it was your parents or do you just think it's the culture of which we lived in that, that really you just don't see another option? Yeah, I think it's 100% culture, which is in society, which is where we create society, right? It's all of our views that bubble up to this big societal view and or perspective. And, you know, I think my, my grandparents were immigrants and I think there's a little bit of a delay in generational change that happens. So with their, with my grandparents, it was, they were putting their heads down and working. You know, they had chicken stores on Lombard Street in downtown Baltimore City in Jewish Baltimore. And they had their heads down and were just on the grind every day running their storefront. And they would tell my parents, you are going to be the ones to go and do and to make the change and to to get the job and have the nine to five and the stability. So they kind of moved into that phase and that generation learned to get the corporate job. And that's when it started to happen. And then our parents saw what the corporate job did to them and how isolating it can be sometimes and how structure doesn't allow for flexibility. And then they were telling us, you know, the sky's the limit. Options are available. So it's like every generation slowly has that pivot. So yeah, I think to answer your question, it's definitely a societal view that we have created as, as people. This episode is sponsored by the Halle Financial Team at Expert Lending. Buying a house in today's market is competitive, and you need a lender that can close fast and get you the very best rate. The team is licensed in 48 states and has over 20 years experience in the real estate and lending space and access to lending rates that most mortgage brokers can't get. I know because I'm an investor in the team. If you need a mortgage or know someone that does, call or text Kara at 571 271 9086. And talk to a real human who will give you the customer service you deserve. Again, call or text Kara at 571-271-9086. Now back to the show. I think one of the things that when what always attracted me to California, one is I was a tech guy and being a tech guy, there, there's some tech on the East Coast for sure, but not, not like out here. And it really brought up a question that I've always stuck with me is 
what do I believe today that actually might not be true? And that's a really hard question to deal with because it costs a lot of calories to start to process that. And I don't know, it's something that I think about all the time. And I think out here in California, there's just much more, much more freedom to have different frameworks. And I mean, there's still pockets that have these societal ideas and culture and maybe way off into some other place. But I think we always have to ask ourselves, what do we believe today that actually might not be true? And I don't think, I actually, when I got out of college, I started to write this book of everything they don't teach you in college and in culture. Like, hey, you're going to have two kids. Like, And you're like, oh, okay, well, that sounds good. But they don't really tell you what that means, do they? No. And what you were saying was making me think about when you met your wife and you said that is when you were first presented with that, oh, wait, this woman doesn't want to have kids. And it it had you questioning even before you moved to California, that moment of what does my future look like? So moving to California for me, I think was the first time I really pivoted. That's when my eyes were open to, wait, I don't have to work nine to five and just have the grind be everything and shop at the loft. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But coming to California tapped into a spirituality for me that was much deeper. And I met people that had different views because there is a bubble on the East Coast. And I think there is definitely, and maybe we're a bubble here too. (laughs) We just have a different... For sure. We're definitely a bubble here. There's no question about that. Yeah. So it's just a different way of looking things. And California opened my mind. My husband would have 100% stayed in Maryland. We were actually looking in Moncton to move. We would have stayed there. We would have raised our families there and that would have been it. But because of my husband's work opportunity that came up, that's what brought us here. And we love adventure. So we took the chance and we ran with it. Can you believe that that's actually where I grew up? I just didn't say that because I didn't think you would know. I went to St. James Academy when it was 12 kids from kindergarten through sixth grade, literally. St. James did not look like St. James Academy in Moncton, Maryland looks like now. It was one school building and it was a solid block. Yeah, it's a small world, but I lived out that way. It's beautiful. And and it, and it is beautiful. Like it's horse country and it's gotten way more developed since since I grew up there. But it is definitely beautiful, but it definitely has colonial ties. And I was actually talking to my mom about this. I think my mom might have been shocked when I, maybe not shocked, but when I said, hey, we're moving to California and it took us, we had to sell a company to be able to afford a place out here. But as soon as we did that, we sold the company Wednesday. We bought this house on Friday. I mean, it was, it was that quick, but the, I was telling my mom, I'm like, man, I just like it. It's just more me out here. And I had a, I don't want to say an attitude, but I had this thing like, God, you know, the East Coast really held me back. And she had a different perspective of that. Maybe the mix of both of them is a huge advantage. And as I rode my bike a lot and thought about that, I think that's true. I think that being exposed to many different cultures is really what gives you an advantage. It's in many ways why Burning Man is such a, I don't know if you've been to Burning Man, but it's such a eye-opening experience because you are exposed to very uncomfortable 
situations where your frameworks don't match up and that gets confusing. Yeah. And that goes back to your question of to challenge what's what may not be true for you right now. There's things every day in our lives that we believe, all of these narratives that our brain creates because we're trying to make sense. Our brain is constantly trying to make sense of everything around us. But in reality, it may not be true. So questioning yourself is super powerful because that's when transformation can happen. That's when your eyes can be open to new experiences. So you, what did make you move to California if your husband would have stayed there? What would not have made us move? No, what did? Like what drew? I mean, how do you wind up from Baltimore, Pikesville off of 695 to Half Moon Bay? Yeah. So my husband was sitting on the sofa on a Sunday night. We were having a conversation around his career and what was going to be next for him. He was starting to feel in the itch that there was more. And he just happened to be typing on his computer and got a message from Google on LinkedIn. And they said, Hey, we found your profile. You may be a good fit. And he's like, are, are they listening to my conversation right now? And it ended up just being an amazing fit. And it brought us out here. And we're like, Oh, you know, we'll do a five year check in. We'll see if this is right for us. We'll see if it is a good fit. And we moved out here and we have had more amazing experiences in line with who we are. We have wine country here. We have a house in Tahoe that we rent for the winter. So to be able to go to mountains and ski, you know, we always say East Coast is our heart. Here is our our life. It's our lifestyle. So we try to live that bi-coastal lifestyle as much as possible and go back to be with family. But we just have so many opportunities here that we just never, we never made the trip back full time. <laughs> So you have this moment, for lack of a better way to put it, you quit your corporate job, you become a coach, and you're focusing mainly on what? Maternal figures. Yeah. So my... What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So it could be very simple and straightforward to say mom, but... In this day and age, society is changing so much and the doors are opening for so many different people that I don't want to limit it to just a demographic of moms. It is anyone that's truly fitting that maternal role. It could be you in a caretaking role of your parents. It could be someone that is in the household taking care of their family, which we have a lot of friends that are in California where there's a stay-at-home dad. So that shift is happening in a lot of different families. So I keep it open of more of a maternal word to describe the role that they're taking on. So it's normally the care of the house, care of another human. So my whole focus is on the fact that maternal figures are constantly living a catch-22 because society dictates that in order to be a good, you know, quote-unquote good maternal figure means you're taking care of your family. You're prioritizing their needs. So when a maternal figure then says, I'm going to chase after my dream or I'm going to, you know, do something for me, we intrinsically feel bad about it because we're going against the belief that good maternal figure equals taking care of a family. So that's where the mom guilt comes up. That's a huge conversation, that mom guilt. So what I am focusing on is helping them break down those outdated societal pressures and those false narratives. Again, questioning what is not true for you, you know, so we can break free of all of that and we can pursue and 
live life to its fullest ability for ourselves and actually love every minute of it and not feel guilty about it. Isn't it generally true that people who criticize other people are really just, it's an outward expression of what they're struggling with inside and they could be jealous or envious of that person doing what they wish they had the courage to do? I would definitely agree with that. I think it's very quick to judge someone else because of our own fears and our worries. So even from like a parent standpoint, looking at their child and saying, don't do this because of that, that's their own view. So yes, it is coming from an internal place or it could be jealousy. There's, I think there's a lot of different avenues that it could be coming from. But I think you're right in that it is coming from their own perception rather than looking at it from how it's going to benefit them. I think that was very politically correct. <laughs> the, um, the, I'm not as politically correct. The, 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 I think the fact is, is that using that's, I think that people do fall, not victim. They're not victims. We all live within the culture of what we live in. You grow up in Pikesville, Maryland, you have a very, there's a bubble around Pikesville. There's a bubble around Towson. There's a bubble for people who aren't Maryland. You could think here in California, there's a bubble around Half Moon Bay. There's a bubble around Moss Beach. There's a bubble around San Mateo is different from Burlingame, which is, I mean, we could keep going down these very, these places, but it becomes, you become complacent and maybe even lazy that you don't challenge yourself into these other places. And then as soon as someone doesn't fit your narrative or your belief system or the framework of which you've lived in, they're weird, different. And then there's this process that goes on that says, well, I don't like that. Well, you don't, how do you know you don't like that? You don't like that because it's causing you a lot of anxiety to have to process the fact that someone may be living differently. Yeah. And one of the best ways to overcome that is to actually listen to your body because our body gives us signals. It gives us a visceral reaction if something is good for us or if something is bad for us. And what happens is we let our rational mind do the thinking and again, make sense. You know, our brain's trying to make sense of what's happening around us. So we try to use previous experiences. We try to use what we know, those belief systems, when in reality, if we were just to slow down and tap into who we really are, that innate wisdom, we would be able to make better choices for ourselves and be able to expand if we're meant to expand or stay in a certain spot if that's where we're meant to stay for a period of time. So I think that slowing down and listening to ourselves is such an incredible tool that we just don't use enough because our body really does give us the information. It's just a matter of, are you going to listen to it or not? And do you know how to listen to it? How do you do that? So like I was saying, our body gives us visceral reactions. So I've learned through my coaching training what my positive signs are and what my negative signs are. And we can generalize them. So for most people, if something is good for you, it's going to feel light. Your chest is going to feel open. You're going to feel free about it. That's a good choice. That means you're staying on your path. That's where you find true happiness because society says, oh, this will make you happy. Money will make you happy. You know, fill in the blank. 
But in reality, when you take those steps and make those choices to stay on your path, that's where you'll find happiness. When you feel negative or when you feel that uh, the negative side of your body, that's when you start to feel the slumping. That's when you start to feel your chest caving or pressure or tightness in your shoulders. That's not good. That's your body saying, okay, it's time to move on to something else. But every person's reactions are actually different. Your body gives you different signs. So those are more high level, like you kind of get the where I'm going with this, but our bodies are different. So it's really learning in those situations. Um, like I have a tool that actually helps clients figure out what is your positive and what is your negative. So you can tune into them, whether you're at Starbucks getting a coffee, do you want iced or do you want hot coffee? Or if you're making a huge shift, like I made of leaving my career to start my own coaching firm, it's all your body can be used for all of that. How do you know that the path that you may be choosing that makes you feel better is actually the right path that you actually love and not just the easier path? Because humans generally don't do things that are hard. Sure. If something lights you up, that happens instantly, right? But then what happens is our mind comes in and that's when we start to say, oh, this could be a little hard, This could, you know, I may fail. I'm not qualified for this. That's when we start to feel bad. So there's a very big difference in that moment of feeling like, yes, this is it. But then allowing yourself permission to go in that direction. That's where you start to get into trouble because we start listening to our rational mind. That's when it's trying to protect us. It's going to try to tell us stories to keep us safe, just like our parents. Oh, don't jump off that cliff. You know, make sure you, you know, you have the backpack and do you, did you check all your equipment 12 times? You know, all of those warnings. So our brain's going to try to keep us safe. So I think there's oftentimes questions you can ask yourself, like, is there a seed of truth in this? Is it the right thing for me? Like, if you may be too scared to say yes, but you know, do you see a seed of truth in it? And really start to ask yourself what feels right because your body will tell you. It's your mind that's going to get you off course. <laughs> How do you figure out? So, in that moment, adrenaline could be released, or you're you're caught up in the moment. How do you separate the moment? from that self that you're talking about to be able to effectively give the self-talk to stop that. Do you have a like a tip or something or a tool or a, a framework or an approach? Because I think people don't, we talk about doing that, but when it comes to a practical thing, so I'll share, I actually have triggers. So I've created triggers. If I am riding my bike home into a northwest wind and it just feels like it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're like, I hope I get a flat that I can't fix so I can call that, pick me up or whatever that is. I touch three different fingers on my, on my left hand and that's a trigger to basically create a behavior and a thought process that just instantly changes it because I've conditioned my this crazy little weird thing to do that. I have other types of things that will trigger a a saying or a behavior. When I floss my teeth, I have a positive affir- affirmation and it it doesn't even take me any effort anymore because it's I created that trigger to do that. So is there any other type of tool like that, that that you could recommend to people? Yes. So in those moments, you actually started saying it earlier. 
in those moments where maybe you're making a business decision and you are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not qualified for this. Ask yourself, is that true? Because what you can start to do is identify, is it or is it not? And there's other questions. It's the work by Byron Katie. This woman has a few very short questions. And what it allows you to do is question your thoughts. Because just because your mind thinks it, again, your mind's trying to protect you. Our goal is simply to question it. So I'm an imposter. I'm not qualified. Is that true? Well, yeah, I'm feeling like it is. It, it is in this moment. Okay. Can you absolutely know that that's true? Maybe it's yes or maybe it's no. And simply just start to ask yourself, well, how do you react? It's starting to figure out the what is at stake for you? How are you reacting to yourself? How do you then treat other people in this situation? You know, for a lot of people, maybe they get so frustrated with themselves, they start taking it out on their partners or their kids, and it seeps into other areas of their life, right? Mentally, we start to take it out on others. Maybe we're treating people like they're better than us in that scenario. So once you kind of figure out that framework of what is that thought really doing to you? What is the cost of thinking that thought? Then you can move into, what if I flip the thought? What if we flip it to, well, I am qualified for this. You start to find examples of truth for that. And as you start to explore those, what they call them turnarounds, as you start to explore those turnarounds in different ways of thinking about that original thought, you can start seeing there's truth in all of these other stories and all of these other thoughts that may actually propel you forward because It's not our circumstances that cause our suffering. It's not the fact that you have this business deal that's causing you suffering. It's your thoughts about them. So taking that thought, our thoughts create our feelings, which then create our behaviors. So in that moment, if you were thinking, I'm not qualified for this, maybe you start feeling anxious, you start feeling worried, you start feeling scared. And then because of that, you don't push yourself in your business space. You don't push yourself. You don't take the deal. You don't take the risk on yourself. But if you start thinking, I am qualified for this, maybe that thought starts to bring up excitement, confidence, which then leads you to the behavior of, I'm going to do it. I'm going to put this into action. And if it doesn't work, we'll fuel across that bridge when it comes. But our thoughts create our feelings, which create our behaviors. So when you have a thought that's putting you in a negative space, challenge it. Ask it, is it true? And then go through some of those opportunities go through some of those other thoughts to see if you can find something that may be as true or truer to you. I think that's very helpful advice. And I will tell listeners out there, it's easy to hear this. It is hard to practice it. And you do need to get someone helping you. I hesitate to use the word coach, but whatever that is, is to, because it's like anything. If you want to get good at it, you're going to need some sort of structure. But I, over time, I will tell you, it's worked for me. I've actually created a trigger for negative thoughts. So where you, what you've said is some questions, and I think you that's a great thing for people to do is that, but what I've done is if I have a negative thought or sometimes about the past, we all get caught up on the past and there's nothing we can, it's so easy to talk about here, right? Oh, well, the past is the past, it's over. And it's easy to say, but hard to forget. 
But whenever something from the past comes into my mind that I think is dragging me down, I just create something that says, I forgive and release the past. And instantly, because I practice that, I'm on to the forward thing. But if you don't interrupt that, like you've said, you're going to wind up, you know, it's this, I was taught the spiral. You're going to, it's like going down the drain. You're just, and, and it gets faster <laughs> as you go further down, which makes it harder to get out of. So I think those, those are really good pieces of advice that I actually have this sign here that says, be brave. And for me, my entire career, other than a few short stops, one in corporate America and, and at a, at two VC firms, has been being an entrepreneur. So it's sort of ironic that the, my whole life has been having to be, have to have some sort of courage, but there's times when I get caught up and I was talking to a co-founder of a company that we started and the other day, and I was like, I don't know, man, I don't know that we can do that. Like let this thing out. He's like, you just got to be brave. So I actually got that sign and uh, it is true. Like, and, and all you have to do is read that sign and it will change your, mindset. I know these are like, they seem like soft things, but they actually have huge impacts, don't they? Absolutely. And I just want to also, there's no difference between you and me or the listeners for that matter. Negative thoughts are going to happen because we're human. We have, I heard a stat a long time ago. It's like we have 60,000 thoughts a day as a human, 80% of which are negative. It's just the way our brain works and that's okay. It's how it's our ability to move forward. It's our ability to move past them. Like you were saying, you can sit and dwell in the past and you can spiral down that. But if you actually acknowledge and notice what's happening in that moment, all you have to do is stop and say, in this present moment, I am safe. There is nothing that is needed in this present moment that needs to deal with the past. And that goes for the future as well. You know, there could be something that's happening two weeks from now that you can't stop thinking about. It's causing you stress, anxiety, fill in the blank. But in reality, in the present moment, you need nothing. Your needs are met. You're secure. You're safe. So coming back to the present is such an amazingly powerful tool. And again, to your point, it may sound soft, but it's true. Yeah, I think people will be surprised how many people actually are using these tools on a day. And, and you can tell, I actually had a lady walk up to me one time I was giving a talk and she's like, you've done a lot of work on yourself. And I was like, I'm going to take that as a positive thing, but you can tell just people's frame, the way they talk and, and how they carry themselves. And I think the truth is, is that even the most confident person in the world still gets scared and you have to figure out how to deal with that. Some people take it out in anger, which isn't always good. You know, another thing that I discovered that you, when you were talking, made me think about was, and I can't remember where I learned this, but this whole thing about triggers and sometimes you'll come home from work, especially if you run a business, like you're just worn out. And actually that doorway can be a trigger for you, meaning you might always be grumpy and you might not even realize why you're grumpy. And I, I heard that one day and I started analyzing myself and it was actually true. Like not every day as a business owner, as an entrepreneur is bad. Like there's actually some good days, <laughs> a lot of good days, but there are some bad days. 
but I would have good days and I would come home and I'd still be miserable. And I was like, why would I even do that? So you have to really deconstruct these, I don't know, everything that happens. It's a a lot of work. How long does it normally take people that work with you to see progress? I I read on your website, you said, hey, I don't do one session. I do multiple sessions. I actually think that's true. I People who just want one session and then they're like, oh, I'm going to assess it. Well, you're not committed. And to be honest with you, as a business owner, it costs us more money to do one-offs in general than it does to a longer a longer process. We I don't want to name anybody. I had somebody like, I just want to try it once. And I'm like, it's just not going to work. I mean, it's not going to work. There's no magic pill. This wasn't actually coaching or consulting. It was advertising with us. And I was like, you're not going to try one podcast and think that like all of a sudden the orders are going to pour in. Like that's just not how it, it works. So no. So that was a long way of saying how many, like how long do you, I know it depends because people might be, have be more severe if that's the word than another, but I mean, it, it it's months. Yeah. So I, with any new client I'm working with, I have a six session minimum because transformation takes time. We're unraveling. I mean, if you think of it as a ball of yarn, each string has to be taken and analyzed and worked. And if you imagine those strings to be thoughts, you know, it takes a lot of time to get through that and different layers. And some people, you may have to go deeper on certain topics and some people are just planning forward. So it really does depend. But people that are committed to transformation know that it's going to take time and it's going to cost money. And I think what's so interesting is that transformation actually starts when you invest in yourself, because in that moment of purchasing, there is definitely change that happens like, all right, I'm doing it. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to do one session and see. There's a very different energy that comes with that. I'm going to dabble my toe and then my brain can kind of assess like, was it worth it? Was it not? Am I still financially scared? Whatever it is. So really investing and taking the time makes a huge difference. And I will say, going back to a point you were making earlier about bringing on a third-party person, third-party perspective is key. I have had so many times where clients say something and don't even hear that they just said it. And I will mirror that back to them. And they're like, Oh my God, that's exactly it. And I'm like, I simply just use your words. So having that mirror, whether it be therapy, whether it be coaching, you name it, it could be a friend, but someone that's able to hold space for you with your intentions in mind, not someone that's going to, you know, you call for business chat or something and they're like, Oh, you know, you'll be okay. And someone that's really going to dig into stuff with you and kind of call you out on your bullshit when need be and, you know, help propel you forward. That's when the walls get broken down. So third party perspective in general, like I'm in and out of therapy. I'm in and out of coaching. It's just having that space to talk is so incredibly liberating. Because you do need help. It's not easy to untangle these thoughts all by yourself. No, I will I will I will say I had to have a whole mindset change because the truth is that a lot of people helped me that didn't need to help me get to where I am. And part of that is I'll help the truth is I would help people for free all the time. And what I found 
was that the people that you help for free, not all of them, but many of them, nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like, so I felt like I was giving to, and we sound like an infomercial at some level, but the truth, the truth, I I mean, I I just put it out there because somebody listening may think that, but here, this is the God's honest truth. And if you're listening, you're listening, you are listening. Think about back into your experiences. Think about how you treated the shirt that you bought at Lululemon for $90 differently than the free t-shirt that shot out of the gun at the basketball game you went to or the baseball game. And I used to help people all the time and what, and I felt good because I felt like I was giving back, but then nothing ever happened. So then I felt bad about it, but the people who pay actually value it's a different, it's totally different. And the other thing that I'll say is one thing that just came to mind as soon as you said it was having the third party part person there. I was reading a book on copywriting by it was Ed, Ed Schwartz or one of the famous copywriters. And he, in it, he's already made his money. So he's, he's revealing his tricks. And most people don't even read books, the whole book anyway. So <laughs> I don't think he cared. And as a copywriter, he probably realized that, but he said, most of the time, all I would do to come up with the slogan or the phrase or the copy to position a company, a product or service was I would just let someone talk and I would just take notes because ultimately the answer was in with the client or customer and then he would write it down and he would literally walk out of that meeting with the answer, but he wouldn't give the work for two weeks later because if he gave it right away, they wouldn't value it. I mean, I'm telling the story to, 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 for all the listeners to say, you know, think about this with anything that you do. And I, it's still a struggle for me. It's like my own soft talk. Like, Hey, look, do not go spend three hours helping someone build their financial model for free because they're just not going to value. I will say this, I don't want to be so black and white. There are times when people will value it, but you have to figure out, I haven't figured out a great screening process for that, but you know, it does cost money and it does cost, it's not just money, it's going to cost time and work. And it's hard having gone through it myself. It's, but it's rewarding. And I think you, you have a better life because of it. So when you had this you're in Maryland, your husband gets a job with Google, you move out to California, you're in the corporate world, you have your second kid at the first one's two. You basically like flip out and realize that this is just overwhelming and you're, I mean, you're basically having a breakdown at this point and which is people use that negatively. I don't think that's negative. I think that is getting down to the bare metal so that you can actually rebuild. Yes. And how's it working so far? Amazing. Because one thing I did not allow myself to have in my corporate life were boundaries. Coming into my own career and my own business, I sat down and my husband was kind of coaching me through ways to think about this. And he's like, let's design your day. Let's design what this looks like for you. And I was able to brainstorm everything that I actually wanted from leaving 
corporate. And mainly I was leaving for flexibility. That was my biggest thing. And I know this is a struggle that many maternal figures have is how do I balance me as a mom and how do I balance my passions, which is, you know, my work and helping others. And I don't know if you read the Serena Williams article recently, the essay, but you know, she talks about that of choosing motherhood at this point. So it was a lot of analyzing what's going to work for me moving forward. And because I set those boundaries for myself, both with time and energy, because that's a big thing, you know, it's, you have to really know when to set all of those hard boundaries and how to do it. I have a day now where I get my time to work. I get my time with the kids and I know what to expect. There's no one that I feel I'm answering to other than myself. And that for me was liberating. So even though I'm in the process of building my business and growing and learning all of the things along the way, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. This is such a new space and it's been so fun. I am, I like, I joke with people, I'm throwing spaghetti on a wall to see what sticks. I just, I'm trying everything because it's so new to me. And I love that opportunity. I was just talking with someone earlier today about goals. Goals can be so helpful in terms of getting action started and having some sort of path you are aiming towards, but I haven't let goals become blinders for me because I want to be able to try different opportunities that come along the way on this journey. You know, your path isn't linear in this. I want it to be a little bit of a slow curving, curving road. So I'm allowing other opportunities to come in like podcasting. I just wrote an article for a mom website, a mom organization a couple of weeks ago. I have another one coming out. These were never spaces I thought I would be able to be in and talk about what I'm so passionate about. So it's been so liberating for me. What is the hardest thing so far about being an entrepreneur? The hardest thing I would say is really the business running because I, the finances, the government ease, it's like the other stuff kind of flows naturally, but there's a lot of hoops to jump through as an entrepreneur. And I know there's a ton of support, but there's almost too much support out there of like knowing really where to focus my attention. I found an organization score. I'm sure you're familiar with them. They have free mentors and they've been so helpful for me because I've actually been able to talk to people that can guide me in the right direction as a mentor. Whereas if I'm just sitting at my computer and expected to say like, okay, start a business... I did it, but it took me way more time than it probably should have. So yeah, I think it's a lot of wasted time and searching and Googling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think there's too much bad information out there from people who actually haven't done it. It's not terribly hard. It, it, it to, You can incorporate yourself in Delaware. You can, and the math is pretty simple. Revenue minus expenses equals a profit or loss. And if it's a negative number, you're probably not doing something right. Yeah. And <laughs> you need to do something right. But so is it the overwhelming, is is that you're just overwhelmed with information and not know what to follow as it relates to like setting up your corporation and doing your taxes and things? You, have you, has sales and marketing been a challenge in that way? I wouldn't say sales and marketing is the hardest part. That's just getting out of my own way sometimes of like talking about the thoughts and like, oh, I'm not good at this. You know, this isn't my strength. When in reality, I'm very capable on social media. Once I kind of got past that, social media started flowing easily. It was me just kind of 
censoring myself through my beliefs. Cause again, my thought was I'm not good at this, which made me feel uncomfortable, which then my behavior of it all was I wasn't producing as much as I could have or as well as I could have done it. So in sales too, it's just, it's just learning how to talk to people. And I came in and I will never forget my first, I have a discovery call, a free discovery call with any person. And the first, it felt like a sales pitch to me. And I was like, I know I did this wrong because it felt like sales. And they're like, exactly right. It should never feel like sales because ultimately I'm not selling you. I'm helping you. Like my, I'm just here to listen. I'm here to guide you and not give advice, but help, you know, get out of your own way. And the fact that I was, I felt so hard trying to pitch myself and my business and I left feeling so icky from it. I knew I was doing something wrong. So once I got a handle of what is that call actually meant to be doing? It made sense, but yeah, it's a lot of trial and error and, but I'm willing to learn from all of it. And that's, what's been so helpful. So you wrote an article that I read, if you're willing to share, at the end of the shows, I always ask for three HPTs, high percentage tips that you would give. And maybe we could use that because I read that. I thought that was very helpful. I think you said you would turn oh no's into yeses. Could you share that as part of the, as really the three HPTs? Because it's a fra- it's sort of a framework that you go through to talk about these three things. In my words, it's turn a not so good day into a good day. Yeah. I think we all have those moments, sometimes multiple throughout the day where we're just like, Oh no, how did this happen? Or, you know, we can continue to focus on that to your point earlier about, you know, focusing on the past, but really in those moments, when we reframe our mindset or question our thoughts, we can turn them into positives for ourselves, learning opportunities, whatever it is moving forward. So I would say the first tip I would give is just to slow down. Our culture values productivity. You know, it's output. How much are you producing at any given time? When in reality, if you just slow down and really get back to your true nature, what we were talking about before, that inner guidance is there. That inner wisdom is there. If you slow down and listen to it, you can start making decisions that are much more sustainable for your business and for you, because you know, how many of us wake up 10 years from now and go, holy shit, how did I get here? You know, that's what we're trying to avoid in this life. We want to make those decisions that are positive and take us on that path. So, you know, the first thing I would just say is slow down. There's so much wisdom to be had inside of us. So just really listen to your gut in a lot of different ways. Another one I would say is just shift your mindset. We started talking about this earlier that it's not our circumstances that cause our suffering, but our thoughts about them. So it's not upsetting that you didn't sign a new client, but it's the thought that, oh my God, I messed up or, oh, I didn't do this right. I failed. So if you keep a healthy and curious mindset, it's going to propel you forward to try new things. Like we were talking about positive thoughts going to lead to positive feelings, which will lead to positive behaviors on your part. And then the last one is really just to feel space and balance because just like in parenting, there has to be boundaries or else it's all consuming. I could think about my business from sunup till sundown and even after sundown, but 
I really have to protect myself from burnout because I don't want to show up just for my business. I have a lot of identities that are in my, in my life. I'm a wife. I'm a woman. I'm a mother. I'm an entrepreneur. I want to balance all of those. So in order to honor each of those and feel like I truly have balance in my day, I just really take a step back, find space for each of them. And just try to stay really present when I'm in those. So for example, when I'm in my working container, those hours that I have allotted, I really just stay focused on my work. When I'm with my kids, I really try to stay present with them. When I'm working out, I could be thinking about everything else, but I don't. I really just focus on what is at stake. And that's me in that moment. It's my time to recover and heal and work out or, you know, whatever it is. So different seasons are going to impact you. And I don't mean literally just, you know, spring, summer, fall, but there's different seasons of life and that's always going to impact you. So just staying agile and in tune with yourself and what you need, that's going to help you really keep that balance and space for yourself, really protect yourself so you can show up for the best for your work and, you know, for all of those other identities you have in your life. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with the audience. I think they're Great tips and really thank you for taking time out of your day today to make this happen. Where can listeners find you? I am an Instagram fan. It's just become the place where I am. So if you want to communicate, if I post so much free content on there of just ways to challenge yourself, ways to think about things differently, honor some of the challenges that parents face in their lives. So Instagram is great. It's my company handle, which is at maternal growth, G-R-O-V-E. And then also my website, that is where you can get some more information about what I do, how I do it, and also sign up for that free 30-minute discovery call. That's where we just touch base, see if we're a good fit for each other, because I want to be a good fit for you too, but I also want you to be a good fit for me. You know, there's a thin line between a therapy path and a coaching path. And I want to make sure that your goals are really in line with my goals and how I can best serve you. So that's a great place to start if you are interested in going down a path of a coaching partnership. Perfect. We will put all that in the show notes. Thanks a lot, Shauna. This has been a ton of fun. Sounds good. I will uh, maybe see you in Maryland at some point. (laughs) Well, hopefully we'll see each other in Half Moon Bay. (laughs) We'll go O's and Giants. (laughs) Bye, everyone. (laughs) 